You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, as always, a reminder, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us anywhere you get your fix, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. It's almost the end of July, and we still have so much NBA news coming out, which again is weird because we don't see this all the time. But it's good for people like us who cover the league and have things to talk about. So coming up later on in the podcast after the break, I'll be joined by Adam Taylor of Celtics blog. He's given his insight into what happened with KD, what could potentially happen with Jalen Brown and how that whole thing could go out. Obviously, Woj and Shams reporting that the Celtics have now become a suitor for Kevin Durant. But before he hops on with me, joining me, usually does once a week, Mr. Paul Hedrick. Paul, first off, you had a wedding this weekend that you had to attend to you left the little guy miles was on his own for, for yeah. the first time how did you feel as as a uh, as a papa and how'd you feel with your lady going out and uh having to leave the, the the little fella at home for the first time well first of all as everyone in this area knows it was 95 degrees here on saturday and so wearing a suit um was not great and then also uh my hair is 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 pretty long nowadays and i didn't want to go full man bun it's a wedding i wanted to look nice so i left it down and like that was also a pretty big mistake, but the little guy <laughs> was with his grandmom and, you know, he had some uh, he had some struggles, but he got through it. And uh, yeah, and, and me and my fiance got through it. It was it's it's a weird experience, as I'm sure any parent can attest. It's very weird. It's not we've left him alone, but as far as like he was left alone, like she put him to bed, which is that's the first time anyone other than us has put him to bed at night, which is uh, wild that he's seven months old. and That hasn't happened yet, but actually eight months as of today. But um yeah, so it was. It, we got through it. That that's the best way to put it. Well, I'm glad you did, and and you were able to survive. But we do, Paul. Maybe you don't. You want to go with the short hair anytime soon? You're gonna. You like it long like that? <sighs> you know what it is. It's. I know as soon as I do it, I'm gonna be so upset and I'm gonna regret it that I'm just so afraid to do it. Um, because I've thought about it many, 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 many times. Um, my fiance Carrie has threatened several times to shave my head in my sleep, and. If anyone who knows her, she is she is the type of person who would make good on a threat like that. So um, if it is short, there's a chance that she just took a snippet out. And then that's I just had to go and get it cut. But no, um, we'll see, man. I mean, maybe I just might. If, if I made it through this heat wave in Philly this past week, uh, I, I think I'm pretty good. I think I might be smooth sailing. So I might just I might just ride it out. Well, the, and I think, you know, Paul, that those are the three biggest storylines of the rest of the NBA offseason. What <laughs> happens to Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell? And what happens to Mr. Paul's hair? Right. That's going to be something uh, we're going to we're going to keep yeah, our huge. eyes on. Uh, let's jump into let's jump into some Sixers talk. Uh, looking at obviously, we know that the depth of this team is much improved. Right. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. You've written about it on the on the website, as of our other contributors at Liberty Ballers. But you're adding P.J. Tucker, adding DeAnthony Melton, adding Daniel House. Uh, James Harden, actually, from the pictures I've seen of him lately in the offseason, looking a lot leaner than he did uh, during his time in, in Philly towards the end of the season and obviously with, with Brooklyn at the beginning of the regular season last year. But looking at this now, and, and, and Jackson Frank did a great job writing this up. You should definitely check it out at Liberty Ballers. Uh, it's titled, How the Sixers Greatly Improved Their Defensive Versatility This Offseason. And we mentioned those three guys in terms of Tucker, House, and Melton, uh, guys who can all shoot the rock. Guys can defend multiple positions. Very good defensive players. When you look at the options that Doc Rivers is going to have this year, how much better do you think the Sixers are going to be defensively? Obviously, we saw them struggle like Joel Embiid, if not the best, one of the best rim-protecting bigs in the league overall. But obviously, losing Ben Simmons in, the, in, the, in that deal, not having him around uh, for uh, most of, of the regular season before the trade, that hurt the, the Sixers' defense overall. And again, guys like Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, nobody's going to ever mistake those guys for all first-team, all-NBA defense-type guys. But when you look at this now, like 
where where do you think this is going to help the Sixers the most ball going into next season in, in terms of the defensive versatility? Well, first of all, I am going to give myself a pat on the back because I think what a good manager does is they find someone, they find people who are smarter than them and know more about certain things than them. And that's where Jackson Frank comes in uh, because he did a really great job in that article and kind of breaking it down. The one thing he said, which I think was totally fair as I'm sorry, there's a, a severe thunderstorm in the background. So I apologize to anyone who picks up any of that. Um, but yeah, what, what Jackson kind of went into is it's not just a black and white They're These guys are good defensively. It's that they're also really versatile defensively and what that can do for the Sixers and what that can lead to for their scheme James Harden, as you mentioned, we all know that's well-documented, not a good defender, and he switches everything because he's not good at fighting through screens. It's just not what he does. Uh, So when he's playing, you kind of have to be switch-heavy, and the Sixers couldn't be that last year because they didn't have the personnel. Uh, Respectfully, I think Tyrese Maxey has a chance to be a pretty good defender uh, at some point down the road, and you see flashes of it, but he's not there yet. Maybe this year you see a little bit of an uptick there. And I think that's kind of the part of his game that really you want to see a jump. And I think he's got the chops to do it. I think he could be a a very good two-way guard in this league. But, um, you know, when you had him out there, when you had, you know, Danny Green, who, again, a solid defender, but maybe just not that guy where he can just switch, you know, one through three, one through four anymore. Tobias Harris showed at the end of the year, he got much better in that regard. But also, again, not great fighting through screens. So you kind of have to switch stuff. So that leads me to when you have a guy like a Tucker who can legitimately, I mean, he could guard one through five on certain nights uh, against certain teams. He's that good, that versatile, that tough. Um, you know, a, a guy like Melton could guard one through three, depending on the again, depending on the matchup with that six, eight wingspan, he can guard up a little bit house. Some nights maybe might be able to guard some ones and he can guard up to fours on, on certain nights. So to add three guys that have that kind of versatility, like not only are they just good defenders, they're very versatile defenders. And that's just going to open up so many things. They can do so many more things defensively. Joel Embiid probably doesn't get enough credit for it because, as you mentioned, a great rim protector. But we saw in the playoffs, like he got switched on the Tyler Hero, forced a turnover, got switched on the Victor Oladipo, um, forced him into a bad turnover and a bad shot. Like he is a better. It's not something you want to live with, obviously. And because he is such a good rim protector, you don't want him switching out on the perimeter for everything. But um, you know, his ability to do that opens things up. And then, you know, with the improvements of Maxi, with even, you know, Matisse Seibel, who's now looking more and more like this team's 10th man. It's another guy. Say what you want about him on the offensive end, but very good fighting through screens and, and can switch one through three. So the more of those guys you add, it just makes you that much better on that end of the floor. And again, not only better, but versatile. Versatile is, is the big word. And I think that's the thing that Jackson focused on guys that can fight through screens, guys that can guard multiple positions. And they were just so slow and plotting last year. And it, it showed up big time on the defensive end of the floor. They're so much more athletic. They have, you know, all three guys have such high motors, which we've talked about a ton uh, throughout this off season. And I think that that's going to be huge as well. But yeah, uh, Dan Burke, who, who's kind of the de facto defensive coordinator for this team, he's just going to have so many more options with how he can implement his schemes. And then also Doc Rivers is going to have so many more options with lineups, you know, can mess around with some PJ Tucker at the five, do a lot of different things. And it's just going to make this team a lot more formidable and a lot more tougher to match up against on the defensive end of the floor. You know, what's funny. It's it's like you mentioned that how slow and plotting they were. It, they were like a nineties team at some point. You know what I mean? Last season, like we saw Draymond Green tweet about this too, about comparing how, the 2017 Warriors would have beat the Bulls and the Jazz. And it's like, well, that's what the Sixers look like at, at points last season. You well, know? I loved KD's tweet. Did you see KD's response yeah, to that? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Said Steve right. Kerr would have told us to, to, to just run pick and rolls against Steve Kerr all game long. Uh, that was a good one. That was actually a great one. That was a great yeah, tweet. That was phenomenal. a great tweet. Yeah, because and he's probably right. Steve Kerr would probably look at himself and be like, dude, just go ahead and attack that little fellow right there yeah. all the time. <laughs> so I think he'd be he'd be okay saying that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you too, Paul, how worried are you about P.J. Tucker? Um, in terms of, we know, I, I love PJ Tucker's game, so I'm not going to say that I'm worried about him not, you know what I mean? At least holding his own or at least giving it his all in terms of effort, but he's already 37 years old, turned 37 in May. He'll be 38 next year. You know, hopefully with the Sixers are, are in a midst of a playoff run at that point. Um, but just in terms of what he brings in terms of his energy, his offensive output, 
the Heat, you know, in the, in the games that he played last season, uh, did have a better net rating. There were there were 2.7 points better per 100 possessions with Tucker on the court. But wh- when you look at him, are you worried at all that his game is going to age badly? Because again, not often you see 37, 38, 39 year olds really being significant contributors um, very often in this day and age in the NBA. I'm not worried about it this year, uh, really at all, because he was so good last year and he was so good for the Heat in the playoffs. He was really good for the Bucks the year before that. And I think his career in a weird way has almost saved him. Like, you know, all those years he spent overseas or, you know, he didn't play like the arduous NBA schedule that, that they play over here. And it was a little bit different. And um, he's clearly a guy who takes care of himself, takes care of his body and stays in really good shape. But I hear what you're saying about like, you know, this is a guy who is max effort who, like I touched on, plays a hundred miles an hour every single night and gives his all. And at what point, you know, you're 37 years old. At what point does that start not becoming a thing? Like, can, where can can that start to fade? And I think it raises an even bigger question to me. And I, Dave Early has been really curious about this, too, is, you know, James Harden has led the led the league in games played. He's led the league in minutes uh, at certain points in his career. He played a ton last year for the Sixers. At what point is it this offseason? Is it this season? I hope it is that he kind of looks at it and says, OK, like, I don't have to play 82 games. I don't have to play 35 minutes a night during the regular season. Let's save my best basketball for when the time comes. And I think the same goes for Tucker. The same goes for Joel Embiid. Um, Really, the only guy, I would say, Maxi and Tobias Harris are the only two guys it it doesn't go for. Because Tobias Harris has been one of the most durable players in the NBA. And Tyrese Maxi is 21 years old and... Um, I, I don't know if he ever even gets tired um, with the way that kid works. He does and not how fall. hard he plays. I can confirm he does not fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And so I, I think otherwise, you know, you're looking at guys that, that that'll be fine. Don't really have to load manage them. But I think Tucker's a guy along with Embiid and, and, and James Harden that I'm really I'm hoping and, and I'm, I'm curious to see how they sort of handle them during the regular season. James Harden even talked about that, too. You know, in that one interview, he said, I have to make sure I'm peaking at the right time. Like I can't ramp up my off season workouts too much because I need to have it for when the season starts. And then I need to take it for, you know, another level, even more mm-hmm. when the playoffs start. And you wonder too, Jess, and this isn't, I'm not making excuses for James Harden. Like his playoff struggles are his playoff struggles. They're a reality. They're there. And there's a reason they're there, but I do wonder if him playing all those big minutes, carrying a team on his back, taking a ton of shots, um, playing all 82 games, like maybe that's part of the reason that he gets to the playoffs and he just doesn't have it. Like not LeBron James is a freak of nature. He could play 82 games and average 35 minutes and then be great in the playoffs because he is a, a medical marvel. It doesn't make sense what he does, um, but not everybody's like that. So maybe James Harden just need, like he needed to kind of take a look at himself and say like, all right, I'm 33 and like my body's not going to do the stuff it could do when I was 23. And Maybe this is the time now where I take some games off and I, I, t- I play a little bit less minutes. And I think Joel and me too, I get it, you know, with the MVP stuff and he really wanted to be in those conversations and, and him not playing as much was, a, was, a, was the reason really two years ago why he lost it to Jokic. And I, I just, I think we're at a point now where he realizes like, all right, I don't care. I, did, I, I, I tried the MVP thing for like two years and I didn't get it. And now it's like, all right, let's just, let's just go win the damn thing. And I think Tucker is a team first guy. And I think if the team comes to him and says, look, like we have this plan for you, we think it's what's best. Like, you know, this is the sports science. This is what it suggests. And this is how we think you should handle yourself at at your age 37 season. I I don't see him giving much pushback. I think he'll go along with it. So I'm very curious to see how they handle all three of those guys. And it's, it's so not important. The record at the end of the season, what's so like, if they're the three seed, but James Harden, Joel Embiid, and P.J. Tucker are at top form, you know, once game one is played, that's what matters much more than anything that happens during the regular season. Oh, I, and I'm with you on that, too. And I think that's where, you know, we talked about, obviously, the, the defensive versatility that guys like House, guys like Melton, guys like P.J. Tucker are going to bring to the team. The depth, man. I, I think that's going to be so huge that, like you mentioned, these guys aren't going to have to. And if they want to take a rest night, you know, you're playing a, maybe a lesser team. You want to take a day off to, to get some breaks. And you're going to be able to do that and not worry that your team is going to fall off a cliff, right? Whereas last year, we know if Embiid... Uh, was out of the lineup good luck you know what I mean to the Sixers yeah they played hard at at, especially early in the season where Doc had them going against um, some stiff competition but 
they we knew that they were done whereas this year it's like okay even if joel decides to sit obviously that's a huge loss or it's going to be detrimental to the team that particular night but also you're confident in the guys you have around them and i think that is is the first time in a while um for the sixers that we're going to see that kind of depth looking around the rest of the nba paul you mentioned now the regular season okay we don't really know what you know we don't care because this team is not going to be judged by going 65 and 17 in the regular season right it's all about the playoffs and it's about getting to the and winning the nba finals and i think that even if they go 47 and 35 and finish as a six seed nobody's going to care right it's all going to be dependent on what happens in that during that playoff run next year but they're going to be dealing with some very good teams around them. We know the Milwaukee Bucks with Chris Middleton back in the lineup, obviously with Giannis, arguably the best player in the NBA, depending on where you sit on that um, issue. You also have Drew Holiday. They got a very, very good team. We know the Bucks are going to be there, but late last night, early this morning, again, depending on where you are, we ended up getting a tweet notification from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN telling us that the Boston Celtics are a very serious suitor for Kevin Durant, one of the top 10 players of all time. Where did you sit on that? Like how scared would you be if the Celtics got Kevin Durant, although looking like they'd have to give up Jalen Brown, uh, potentially giving up another talented guy like Marcus Smart. Like where would you sit on that, Paul, if, if KD does end up in Boston? Oh, it'd be terrifying. <laughs> if you're the Sixers, that's terrifying. They just went to the finals and they're going to get, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So, I mean, it's, it's a risk. Like you mentioned, you know, giving up Jalen Brown, who already, you know, judging by his latest tweet is not thrilled uh, by that, you know, his hearing his name after he had such a great year for them and helped get them to the finals. Uh, I'm sure he did not love uh, seeing his name scrolling out there, but it's Kevin Durant. After all, this is again, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. One of the greatest scores this game has ever seen. So, yeah, if the Boston Celtics get him, that would be very scary. I'll say this, though. I felt like, as you mentioned here, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And then, like, the, the headline was was really grabby, and it was at 3 o'clock in the morning. But then when you read the substance, it kind of sounds like, all right, but a trade's kind of nowhere near happening. Yeah, yeah, um, I saw that. So yeah. it was kind of weird to me that, like, it was this big deal. And I, I get it. Like, the Internet freaked out about it. And certainly it's worth noting that the Celtics are a suitor, but it, it still does not feel imminent or even close to me that KD's not going to be a net or that Kyrie's not going to be a net. And we saw that report from, from Shams as well. I think he was on Pat McAfee show and said like, yeah, like Kyrie's basically committed to playing for the Nets. So it's like, I, I, uh, the, like, you know, you, you look at either the Nets or the field. And I think if you're a betting person, you, you take the Nets that they're both going to be back because at this point it's July 25th. If they haven't had their socks blown off, by any of the teams that are pursuing KD, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's Miami, um, whether it's Boston, whether it's Toronto, and if they haven't had a deal that has blown their socks off yet, I'm not sure they're going to get it between now and an opening night. I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not sure it's going to happen. So yeah, I, I, of course, if the Boston Celtics get Kevin Durant, they are like, they're already a really scary team and a force to be reckoned with. If they get, a Kevin Durant, that makes them that much more formidable. Same goes for the Miami Heat or the Toronto Raptors if either of those teams can swing a deal. But to me, I'm more scared that the Brooklyn Nets just offer more competition because if they get Kyrie and KD back, that's a very dangerous basketball team if Ben Simmons plays basketball and, and some other things bounce their way. That, that has a potential to be a really good, really tough team. Yeah. And then I think that's the interesting part. And as you mentioned, you know, with the Brooklyn Nets and we're going to have Adam Taylor on the podcast after the break of Celtics blog. So we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive on the, on the KD for Jalen Brown stuff. But you mentioned that too, like Kyrie Irving, now we're hearing reports. He's going to stay in Brooklyn, at least for next season. I believe it's about $36.5 million for his player option, which he already took. So he has one year left on a deal before potentially hitting unrestricted free agency. So you're going to, you're going to, again, like you said, Maybe the, the Nets are stacked again with those three as their as their best three guys with KD, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons coming back. But when you look at this at this whole merry-go-round that we've been through this offseason, Paul, and looking specifically at the Atlantic Division, right? Look at look at the, the way the things have, have went here, right? We saw um, Al Horford and and uh, you know movie earlier on with between the Celtics and the Sixers. We've seen um, obviously Kyrie going from the the Celtics to the Nets. Uh, Kevin Durant now potentially going for the Nets to Celtics. Like when you're looking at this from a Philly perspective, what do you think the best case scenario is to play out in terms of the player movement aspect before we get into October when when the season starts? 
I mean, probably KD getting traded to the Phoenix Suns would be, would be great. And then Kyrie going to the Lakers. Sure. Uh, that, <laughs> those that would be great because then it's the opposite. It's one. Le- not only is it one less team where the Nets won't be nearly as competitive, but neither of those guys are going to go to a team that could potentially be your competition. So you're basically dealing with all these teams as is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, think about it. The Toronto Raptors get KD no matter what they give up. That changes everything about them. That makes them infinitely more dangerous um, and, and way, way better. It makes them a legitimate contender to come out of the Eastern Conference. He KD is that good that he can shift the entire discussion. If if the if the Heat somehow put together a, a, a package like that, makes the Heat to me the favorites with him and Jimmy Butler. Um, that's uh, that's a really tough squad. So. Yeah, I mean, KD just completely changes the calculus of the entire Eastern Conference if he gets moved. So if he goes out west, that to me, and then again, and Kyrie gets gets traded to the to the Lakers, that sounds great. That sounds great to me. If you're the 76ers, let them go out west, let them beat each other up out there, and you know, and let let the East play out as it is right now. What about the Celtics, Paul? Do you think they're better off making that deal? Like, I mean, I love Jalen Brown. He's only 25 years old. Obviously, had a very good Finals with with Tatum. Um, dealing with some injury stuff there, but looking at 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 that, like if you get KD, yeah, he's got four years left on his deal. Still probably going to be very good for at least two, maybe three of those years, and then year four, it's just depending on how he ages. I still think he's going to be an All Star level guy. But w- when you look at that from a Celtic standpoint, would you be hesitant at all to give up Jalen Brown and let's say Marcus Smart? Obviously, you're going to have to give up a boatload of first rounders and some pick swaps as well. Or is that something that you're like, hey man, if we get a chance to get that guy, we're going for it? Yeah, I think if you have a chance to get Kevin Durant, you, you got to go get Kevin Durant. And that's with I am such a huge Jalen Brown fan. Like I loved him coming out. Like a lot of people were kind of like unsure about him. I specifically know someone I used to work with who was a very big Celtics fan who was so disappointed when they they drafted Jalen Brown. And I loved him. I, I thought the shot was going to come around. I, I just saw it. Uh, you know, whatever it is, I saw it in him. And um, yeah, I, I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's he's really I think he's still ascending he's what 25 so i mean he's still on the way up and uh if there was an opportunity for the 76ers to get a player like that i know when when ben simmons rumors were were dangling around and there was like a whisper of the celtics i would have been all about getting jalen brown here to help this team out but yeah when you have and don't give me when you add marcus smart to that in picks it gets dicier it Mm -hmm. it makes i still probably would do it but it's a huge 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 risk but i think in a deal like that, you're going to have to take a huge risk. Whatever team lands KD is going to have to give up something they don't want to give up, right? Like, that's the way these things work. If you want to get one of the greatest transcendent players to ever play the game of basketball, you're going to have to give – it's going to hurt you a little bit in other regards. Like, you're going to have to give up something you don't want to give up. But I think, too, you the interesting thing you mentioned about his game, and, like, I just – for me – you know, I, I was born in 1985, so most of the Michael Jordan I saw was kind of the tail end. And he became like this mid-range post player where he just was automatic from the mid-range. He just made fadeaway after fadeaway. Like, KD can be that. He could be that into like until he's 36, 7 years old, 37 years old. Like, he could definitely, for the rest of his contract, be a really, 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 like, uh, uh, clear, like you said, maybe elite, elite for the next two years. And then a very good all-star level for the, you know, the next couple of years, forever, however long he decides to play. So I think his game has the potential to age very, very well. Um, but yeah, if you're the Boston Celtics and it's out there, you have to almost do anything to get him on your team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'm, I'm with you too. Cause you're putting your chips in the, in the middle at this point, I think the Celtics as constructed. And again, this could change between now and October. I think the Sixers are part of me. The Celtics are, obviously still a legitimate contender. They got to the to the finals last season and without making any changes. And you, you look at the fact that they bought well, they added Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, you got Danilo Gallinari. They're going to be a deeper team this season. So I, again, to me, I, I think it's, it's, it's something that, yeah, you get a chance to get a guy who's, and this is not like you're getting Michael Jordan on the Wizards. You know what I mean? That you're going all in right. for that. You're still getting a guy who, who has the ability and definitely has the game that's going to age well and just be dominant for, like I said, at least two more years could be, could very well be four well, years. I will, someone pointed out that Michael Jordan led the Wizards to more wins with like Kwame Brown as a starting center than LeBron led the Lakers to last year. 
No, that's so, true. There you go. That's yeah, that's, just, that's actually, something to point out. <laughs> that's that's going to be an age-old debate that we're never going to get rid of. Right? The Michael Jordan, LeBron thing. Because I, I'm out you know, on it. it. It's funny because <laughs> even even the like I, I, on that, you know what? Now that we're here, I, I will say this. To me, I think LeBron is is obviously one of the best of all time. Uh, maybe the second best that I've seen in my generation because I I was born in '83, so I got to see Jordan as well. Like like you know, as a as a teenager, and I look back at it. It wasn't that I think Michael Jordan is like the best like all around player in terms of assists and rebounding and whatever. But to me, it was just the dominance, right? You just knew he was going to win. And I remember being that age too. Like it was like, well, I know the Bulls are going to win it. It's just a matter of time. And I think I don't think I've ever felt that with LeBron where it's like his team could lose. You know what I mean? And and we've seen him lose multiple times in the finals. Whereas with Jordan, it was like, yo, this guy's just going to find a way to get it done. So I'm not going to argue about who's a better player overall. I'm just saying if I had a choice between the two, for me, it would be Michael Jordan. Yeah. I, so I I don't know when I, I started to do this. Maybe it was a couple of years ago. I now uh, abstain from all GOAT conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's just a waste of time. I think eras are so different, as Draymond Green astutely pointed out. Like LeBron James is the greatest player of his era. There's no debating it. He is. He's the greatest yeah. player of his era. Michael Jordan was the greatest player of his era. Um, and you can go back like Wilt Chamberlain was, you know, someone could throw Wilt, Bill Russell out there Bill and Russell, say, like, yeah. oh, well, Bill Russell won the rings. Well, guess what? Wilt Chamberlain, I'm sorry. Look at the friggin' numbers. It was ridiculous. Wilt Chamberlain was the greatest basketball player of his era. Um you know, and in the 80s, you could debate, was it Magic, was it Bird? Um, one of those guys was the greatest. Kareem, the greatest of the 70s. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. uh, to me, that's the way I more look at it now. I can't look at it and compare eras. I look at it as LeBron definitively is the greatest player of his era. Michael Jordan definitively the greatest player of his. It's a cop-out. I don't care. Um, <laughs> that's just where I am. Yeah, I'm I'm with you too because I I don't think there's a there's a goat debate again. I'm just saying who would I take if you're asking sure. my opinion? It would sure. be Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? And you can you can I get that. Here, and people can sit here and tell me Kareem is the best player of all time. People can tell me that LeBron is the best player of all time, and I'm willing to listen to him. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm not going to sit here and 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 debate that. Uh, let's wrap up on this. Another rival of the Sixers, Paul, heavily involved in the rumor mill as of the last what maybe two or three weeks here is the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. Um, don't know what they'd have to give up. Although you imagine Danny, Danny Ainge is salivating at how many picks he'd be able to take off Leon Rose and the Knickerbockers. But when you're looking at it from your perspective, if Donovan Mitchell ends up in the division, which damn would be friggin' crazy. Cause he is still very good. He's only 25. You're going to have, like we mentioned, Tatum, potentially Brown. If, if, if KD ends up with the cell, whatever happens there with the Nets, you're going to have KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, obviously Joel Embiid, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell now potentially in that division. The Raptors coming up, Scotty Barnes. When, when you look at that deal for the Knicks and if, if, if New York is able to get um, Donovan Mitchell, does that move the needle for them at all in your opinion? Do you think that the Knicks end up being this team that um, not going to challenge for a championship? I think anybody would, would be ridiculous in, in saying that right now. But if you look at what, they could uh, they could bring in terms of being a playoff team. Do you like that deal for the Knicks at this point? Well, I think if you're in the Knicks, you got to do it. I think this is your best chance to land a guy like this. Uh, he clearly wants to be like he's a New York guy, wants to be in New York. So I think if you're if you're Leon Rose, you got to take the swing. I think yeah, you. I wouldn't say you have to make the trade, but like you have to do you have to you have to damn sure try uh, because this is an all star player who's under contract, who you have the resources to go get. You pair him and Jalen Brunson together. It's a little bit of a small backcourt, but it's a very good backcourt, and, and it makes them interesting. I don't think it makes them like it makes them in, in, like in the in the mix for like a five six seed, um, the, kind of the second tier. Like if a play play in team for sure, though, right? You think like oh, uh, easily yeah. a play in the Eastern Conference easily. Um, I, I mean, I think it, depending on what happens with the Nets, um, you know, they they could they could be a five or a six. Like it, it could definitely happen that way. Depending on what happens with the Hawks, I don't know how that's going to go with Young and Mary. We'll see how, how that kind of all plays out if John Collins is still there, yada, yada, you know, down the road. But, yeah, I mean, it clearly would make them a much, much better team. Um, this year would not make them a title contender remotely. Now, maybe in the future you dump Julius Randle's contract, you do some other things, you make some room, maybe you can get a big-name guy in there to go along with Mitchell and Brunson. Maybe that makes you – maybe that could catapult them. You know, maybe they get, like, a, a really good all-star wing – or an all-star big or something like that, maybe that could catapult them into the conversation. I will say this, though. If that scenario happens and then KD and Kyrie stay with the Nets, the, the power balance of East and West, man, which is already starting to teeter a little bit, mm-hmm. um, 
like the, you have LeBron who's what 38, 37, 37, yeah. right? It's my yeah. age. I think 37 to Chris Paul. Who's like 38. Like all the, the, that the West, the West guard is getting older. I'm, you know, you got Luca obviously and Devin Booker out there, but the East man with, with Giannis, um, with, you know, Giannis and Middleton with the Celtics with, with, with Tatum and, and Brown, the Sixers with Embiid and Maxi. I mean, it's, the, the Heat, I guess, are a little bit older with with Jimmy, but they have Bam out of bio. Like, there's a lot of good young talent in the mm. East, and it, it the the power shift is, is kind of happening if Donovan Mitchell gets traded um, to the Eastern Conference. Oh, for sure, and I think the Cavs are coming up too. I think a couple of yeah, years Darius Garland's an All Star player. I love yeah. Mobley. I think Mobley's going to be an All Star for a long time in this league too. No, same here. I think he, he's awesome as well, and I think they're they're on the come up too. So you're right, and I, you know what? As much as as much as they've been terrible for you know the last fifteen years or whatever it is, ten years since they since that little golden age that they had, I think the Pistons are doing pretty good things in Detroit there as well. So I think they're I like that core. Yeah. yeah, no, the the, the the trio of Cade um, with Ivy and um, and Duran. I mean, that's that's a really it, it it reminds me a little bit of like Process Sixers, like when they first when they mm-hmm. tried to do. I mean, it didn't work out very well for the Sixers, obviously. I mean, it worked out. Pretty good, but uh, you know, when they had him B, they had Simmons and they get Fultz, and that was kind of like, all right, this is our trio for the future. Um, the Sixers got a three seed when when Ben Simmons was a rookie. So I mean, hey, and and Marco Fultz was a rookie, so that worked out pretty well for them. So yeah, who knows? Um, you you put three guys who are really young, really exciting, and have the potential to be very good. And yeah, they're in the not too distant future, that could be a really competitive, really good basketball team. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see what shakes out in the East over the next few seasons. And and like you mentioned, we see the Bulls get a little bit better, although I don't think they're there. Atlanta obviously going all in with DeJounte Murray and, and Trey Young there too. So they're they're I keep forgetting about the Bulls. Yeah, I mean the Bulls are in that mix too. But yeah, I, I don't see them cracking the top four this no. year. Like I think I think they're again, they're like five, six. Like I, I that that that's to me, that's like the most interesting thing in the East. I think the top four teams are gonna be the top four teams, um, with the Knicks or the Nets being kind of that the the wild card. Yeah. Five through 10, though, is going to be really, really interesting and really, really competitive. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be fun to see. But again, there's so much left to happen in terms of player movement with KD. We don't know what the hell is going to happen with Kyrie Irving. If if the Nets do move on from KD, maybe it's Jalen Brown ended up in, in Boston. Maybe it's a package around, you know, Tyler Hero. Ben, like, who knows what, what what is going to happen? But hey, the good part is it's still giving us something to talk about in the dog days of summer. Right, Paul? This is the NBA offseason and it's still giving us a, a no off cover. No, oh, yeah, well, it's, it's good for us. It's good for us, like I said, from a from a business standpoint. But uh, let's wrap things up there. Uh, Paul, I want to thank you, as always, for joining me. I'm sure we'll do this again in the next couple of weeks here as well and try and get some rest. Maybe give your hair a little bit of a wash, let it flow a little <laughs> bit. We know it looks good, right? I take and, care uh, of it. You know that. I maintain you, you it. You do a well. good job with it. You do a good job with it. So take care of it, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. All right, that's Paul Hudrick. You can catch him. Obviously, he's their lead producer for us at Liberty Ballers. Coming up after a short break here, I'll be joined by Adam Taylor of Celtics Blog. Going to do a little bit of a deeper dive from a Boston perspective of a potential KD for Jalen Brown swap. So that's coming up in about a minute. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we are back. Time to do a little bit of a deep dive. We saw the news break late last night, early this morning, depending on where you are. Uh, I'm going to introduce the guy who's going to be joining me and tell you his story about when he saw the, the tweet notification from Woj. Kevin Durant, the Boston Celtics. Now some reports that they might be offering up Jalen Brown in order to bring him there to break that down with me. Good friend of the podcast. He also writes for SB Nation sister site, Celtics blog, Mr. Adam Taylor. Adam, you're, for the people who don't know, you actually live in England. So walk us through when you saw the tweet notification from Woj, letting us know that 
damn, the Boston Celtics are involved in trying to get Kevin Durant into a Celtics uniform. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, it was about 7.30 a.m. I just dropped the wife to work. Came, I was just getting home, opened the front door, and then I get a, t- a, a tweet notification on my phone, which is weird because obviously everyone in America is asleep, so nobody really tweets at me in the morning. So I check the notification, it's Woj, and then all of a sudden, you know, when you kind of have that freeze frame moment where it's like you have to, you're, you're still half asleep because you've, you've not long woke up and you're like, making sure the wording's correct. So it's not the, the Celtics have traded for Kevin Durant. It's the Celtics are uh, considering trading for Kevin Durant. And then it's just been a wild day ever since uh, Celtics Twitter and the wider Celtics fan base seem very split down the middle on this. Yeah. And I want to ask you that too, because obviously coming off that finals loss and, you know, we saw how good the Celtics were over the last, you know, three or four months of the regular season. We're sitting not very pretty in, in December. And then obviously went on that torrid pace to, to kind of, get to the top half of the conference and clearly were dominant in the playoffs until they ended up coming up short in the final. So you look at Jalen Brown, right? One of those guys that was originally selected by the Celtics through one of the picks that they got from Brooklyn after the horrible Kevin, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade when they were way past the prime that Brooklyn took a chance on them. And then they get Jalen Brown and he's a homegrown guy for you alongside Jason Tatum. You look at the job that he's done over his six seasons in the league uh, average 23.6 points last year. Why do you think there's such a divide among Celtics fan? Because even reading the, the the website this morning, the Celtics blog, I'm seeing that too in the comment section that people are kind of like, hey man, Jalen's our guy. And you're going to bring in Kevin Durant, 33 years old, obviously has had some injury issues the past couple of seasons. But when you look at why that would be so divisive for the fan base, do you think it's because of what Jalen Brown means to the organization in terms of being a homegrown guy? Uh, or is it because of maybe something that it's like, let's stay away from Kevin Durant? So the main kind of rebuttal that I've seen is very much based on longevity. There's a lot of concern around Durant going in, turning 34 this season, a contract running till 37, where he's going to be earning over $50 million. And everybody's looking at Jalen Brown like, hey, this this got, this dude was the guy in, in the NBA Finals for us. Jay, Jason Tatum struggled a little bit, had that shoulder injury. And Jalen Brown really put the team on his back for stretches. And I think there's some belief there that he, Brown will never be the player that Kevin Durant is. He will never be that like first ballot Hall of Fame, one of the greatest of all time type guys. But in three years' time, he's probably far more valuable than what Durant is in three years' time. You've got the wing defense, you've got the athleticism, the mid-range shooting, the ability to pressure the rim. And everybody's so inv- everybody in Boston is so invested in watching Brown and Tatum work out because there's been so much narrative that they just can't figure it out together. I think that's a huge part for, for Boston fans is very much, we know Durant is the better player. We know that he's always going to be the like Durant's prime is always going to be far and above Brown's prime, but Brown is not even in his prime yet. And Durant's already on the decline from his. And I think that's where a lot of the concern is. Like if you can convince Jalen Brown to re-sign, he's got two years left on his current deal. If you can convince him to re-sign in Boston long-term while your championship window is anywhere between five and eight years, five and nine years with Kevin Durant, it's a clear cut, two maybe three years if you're lucky so that longevity is a a huge sticking point for a large portion of the fan base yeah and you mentioned that he's got two years left on his deal he's due 26.7 roughly next season 28 and a half for 23 24 but looking at this from your perspective adam where do you stand on this personally like obviously covering the team you do a great job like i mentioned for celtics blog where where do you sit in terms of looking at this as a potential trade And, and if you were Brad Stevens right now, which way would you be trying to lean to get this done? So I am torn. I've tweeted that today. I am quite torn. But in my head, you have to take, if you've got a chance of pairing Tatum and Durant together and the cost is acceptable, then you have to be willing to take that deal. Because at the end of the day, two years or three years of borderline prime Kevin Durant is more than you're going to get in the next two to three years from Jalen Brown. So I'm on board with the idea. Plus, I like the notion of, and I wrote about this today, it's um, 
everyone was very big on the, how Al Horford's presence helped improve Robert Williams and Grant Williams this season, you know, from getting to watch his pregame rituals, the way he takes care of the body, the way he approaches his training regimes. Durant being that guy for Tatum could be the, the perfect way to kind of let Tatum st- take a step back, continue to develop and flourish. And then as Durant starts to decline in years three and four of that deal, that's when Tatum can really become that superstar. So I'm 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 on board with making the trade, assuming that the the deal is fair. Like at the moment, you know, a lot of people have seen Marcus Smart as the sticking point. Mm-hmm. But during the playoffs, Ime Odoka was on record saying he doesn't believe the perimeter defense takes too much of a hit when Marcus Smart's off the floor because Derek White's there to kind of help things tick along. The only thing you lose is that versatility to have a genuine switchable point guard that can go one through five obviously you don't want him on a big man but he's capable of doing so so i think marcus smart's a sticking point there but as long as you're not throwing the farm and the depth is still there i'd be willing to make that deal yeah that's where and and like like you said you wrote about that like how kd can help unlock another stratosphere for 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 jason tatum to get into but looking looking at this in terms of from a perspective of around the eastern conference right these teams now all division rivals, right? Brooklyn, the Celtics, I cover the Sixers. So the Sixers in there, obviously. And, and you're looking at this kind of merry-go-round of, of, of players and, and people getting moved along. Well, when you're, when you're thinking about this, again, from just a basketball perspective, let's say that they do make the deal. Let's say it's Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, three picks and a couple of pick swaps. The Celtics get Kevin Durant. Does that still keep the Celtics at the top of the conference? Do you think they drop down maybe towards uh, behind Milwaukee? Because I, I would look at the East right now and go Boston-Milwaukee as constructed of the top two teams. Then I think a little tier below that, you got Philly and Miami, and we'll wait to see. I mean, again, Brooklyn's whole thing. We'll wait to see what happens. But let's say they do get Kevin Durant. Do you think that makes the Celtics the odds-on favorite considering what they added this offseason as well with Malcolm Brogdon, DeLittle Gallinari? Like, where, where do you think that moves the needle for the Celtics? On paper, I think they stay number one in that. Um, in that conference, I, I'm not sure. Obviously, we need to see in actuality before we can be sure. Because you know, Milwaukee are no joke. Philadelphia have improved their roster quite drastically in terms of you know. I was a big fan of that the Anthony Melton pickup. Yeah. So I, I like this, and then obviously PJ Tucker and so forth. So the Sixers aren't going to be a joke. Brooklyn, you can understand if Kyrie goes and they're left with Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons, that's going to take a year or two to build around them and figure that out. I think that Boston are still considered the favorites, but in actuality, there's going to be a big learning curve. Can KD and Tatum play together? This isn't Team USA. Can is is Tatum willing to take that step back and become like step into Jalen Brown's role? Is Durant willing to? defer the ball sometimes there's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of accepting new roles which could mean that we see another season like we saw this season from boston where it's a little bit choppy to begin with and then they figure it out around about that february time and then we see them start to grow but i'd say that in my head i still think that milwaukee are probably the biggest threats and i'm coming into this season i always like to be the realist so i'm coming into this season expecting milwaukee to be the favorites just because you know um Giannis and Chris Middleton you don't they're no joke and Giannis managed to run Boston like deep into that series without Middleton so I'd still expect Milwaukee to be number one when you look at the personal damage this could do Adam in terms of which Jalen Brown obviously saw him tweet this morning saying SMH like you know what I mean or trying to figure out what the like what the hell do all these rumors mean when you when you look at this personally like does this, let's just say the trade doesn't go through, right? Or the, the Celtics don't get Kevin Durant. Now that we know it's been public that the Celtics have made an offer, the Celtics have, and nobody's again confirmed or denied this, but they've looked at this and said, hey, okay, you know, we might be willing to part with one of our two best players in order to get KD, one of the top 10 players of all time, depending on where you rank him. Do you think that affects the relationship with Jalen Brown in terms of, okay, what if his contract comes up in two years? We know that it's going to, there's no extension. Does this mean that his relationship with the Celtics is fractured going forward? I mean, that's a huge concern, right? Like, so we're just, we're a day away from being a month removed from where Jalen Brown liked to tweet from a Celtics fan saying that he was very under, um, what was the word he used? Disrespected in Boston. Mm-hmm. So the, the tweet just read uh, Celtics fans disrespect, uh, Jalen Brown is disrespected by Celtics fans or something along those lines. 
And Jalen Brown sent Celtics Twitter into meltdown by liking that tweet. That was on the 26th of June. We're on the 25th of July. So just a, a day away from being a month. And now his name's in these trade rumors. And it's not the first time, you know, he was the primary guy being floated around in Anthony Davis trade rumors. The same when it came to Kawhi Leonard, the same with Bradley Beal, the same, if I remember correctly, no, I don't think it was with Paul George, but with Bradley Beal. And then you can do it again now with Kevin Durant. Whenever a superstar becomes available, the Celtics are sending a message, whether they mean to or not, that Jalen Brown is expendable for the right guy. And in my eyes, eventually, maybe once or twice, you can brush that off. But eventually, you're going to start feeling a type of way about that. So there is definitely a risk that Jalen Brown gets to the end of this deal, hits free agency, and starts looking somewhere else for a fresh start and probably wants to be the guy on a team and if he gets an offer to go and be the number one option on a, on a rebuilding team or a team that feel he's the missing piece to them being a contender i could genuinely see him making that move yeah and i think that's that's the that's the interesting part now right now that this has become public and i wonder who told woge last night that this is a thing you know what i mean because under under brad stevens things have been pretty pretty tight-lipped from the celtics organization in terms of not bringing out a bunch of rumors or reports and and so i think that that is going to be another little side angle to look at from this right like like we said like how does that affect jalen brown's relationship with the with the organization if they don't land kevin durant so i mean i think there's so much at stake here and the nba has been ridiculously crazy we're supposed to be right now in july adam's struggling for content ideas but thank you for <laughs> for the nba gods for giving us um all of these rumors we'll wrap up after a couple more questions adam just want to ask you this too Looking around the Eastern Conference, you mentioned the Sixers. I love the moves that they have made, right? They they look they looked like a team that was, yeah, maybe a top four or five team in the East, but we saw their shortcomings against Miami, although, uh, you know, let's not forget Joel Embiid was hurt for the first two games of that series. Still, I think that Miami was clearly the better squad in terms of its roster, in terms of its depth. And now we've seen the Sixers add, as you mentioned, PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Melton. Uh, they've also added Daniel House in, in free agency. So looking at, at, at where your thoughts are on the Sixers coming from a Celtics perspective, how far off do you think the Sixers are behind Boston in terms of the Eastern Conference pecking order? And do you take the, the Sixers serious as a potential NBA finals threat? I think Joel Embiid's an MVP caliber guy. So I think when you look at it from it's Embiid and Harden are the two stars, Tatum and Brown are the two stars. So there's no third guy in either rotation. Now, somebody, some people might like to point at Tobias Harris as that guy, but for me, he just hasn't been a success in Philadelphia, like overall. So I wouldn't see him as the third guy in terms of like the third star. Uh, the depth that PJ Tucker brings along with Melton, along with House, I don't think they're that far away. I think that they're going to play a, a very physical brand of basketball that's going to be perfectly suited to Embiid. I think Embiid's versatility is going to give defenses nightmares the way it always does. Um, I could see them being a, a surprise team. I think that people are sleeping on them a little bit because of how they looked during that series against Miami because they just didn't seem to be able to figure out the Harden and Embiid pairing. But that's the problem, right? Everyone's after these instant success stories. And in truth, it takes a while to figure these things out where you need your guys, where you want your shooters situated, if you want guys lifting out of the corner when Harden drives. There's all these like nuances that you need to see what works and what doesn't. And the only way you can figure that out is through game reps. I think the Sixers are going to be a completely different animal by the time we get to the playoffs next season. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And like I said, I think a lot of people are excited by the moves that were made by by Philly to, to bring in that depth. And, and Daryl Morey, they still have room. And as much as people have hated on... James Harden and and like you mentioned, trying to figure out that pairing, he does look a lot better in terms of in shape right now. I saw some pictures come up over the past week or so. Just seeing his body, it looks a lot better. And also looking at the fact that he did take that fifteen million dollar pay cut, roughly fifteen million, um, allows the team. They're still about three and a half million below the apron, which obviously they can't go over at any point. But still, this is this is going to be an exciting season yet again. So I will wrap up on this, Adam. You know, we talked about the Sixers now. We talked about the Celtics. Obviously, the Bucks. we've mentioned Miami. But looking around the league as a whole, I think the last couple of years have been really fun for the sense that we have no clue who's going to win the NBA championship, right? Whereas in the previous decade, you had, okay, we knew once once LeBron and, and, and D-Wade and Chris Bosh teamed up in Miami, it was kind of like, well, the Heat are likely going to be in the finals, right? They ended up making it there four straight years. Then we had the Warriors dynasty where we knew they were going to be there 
uh, LeBron, Kyrie the first couple times, and then we're like, okay, that is going to be the, the Eastern Conference champion. Now we're looking at this. The field is wide open. So I know this is going to be tough for you to answer, Adam, because I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. When you look at your top five teams in the NBA right now, you don't have to put them in any order, but who are the best five squads right now, you think, in the league going into next season? That is putting me on the spot. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to throw a sleeper in there, and I don't think it's ever going to come to fruition, but it's a team that I'd like to see come to fruition because I've followed them for a few years, and I've liked that. I've kind of seen them struggle. So I'm going to throw a sleeper in there just out of kind of like wishful thinking. But we'll but, go with Golden State, Boston, Milwaukee. Memphis is my sleeper team. Okay. And then I'm trying to think of another Western Conference team that I think is genuinely seen out here. This time last year, I would have thrown Utah in there, but I'm going to go with Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Fight. You know what? I think Memphis is going to take another step in its development too, and I think that's going to be key. John Morant continues to improve. Obviously, they got guys like Desmond Bain, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. when he's back from, from injury. So I, I'm with you. I, I think the, the Grizzlies are going to move up. But like I said, I think that next year now too, like we've mentioned, you got you got Philly – you got Miami. You're going to have these other squads. And who knows what happens with Brooklyn? Because now we're hearing that Kyrie Irving is dedicated to at least playing their next season for sure with his one-year option. And then we'll figure it out. So again, there's a there's still a ton of drama left. We're still, you know, basically two months away from training camp. But I mean, hey, the fun part is we're going to be able to talk about this stuff. So Adam, I messaged you this morning. I know it was on short notice. I want to appreciate you taking the time out to hop on with me to talk this uh, Kevin Durant Celtics rumor. And if the trade does happen, love to have you on again to kind of get your thoughts on, on everything if it does become official. Of course, man. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to reach out. And I've had a great time. Thank you very much, man. No, no worries. Anytime. That's Adam Taylor. He covers the Celtics for our SB Nation sister site, Celtics blog. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Taylor NBA. Again, lots left to unpack lots left to uncover as we go through what is supposed to be the dog days of the nba offseason uh we're gonna have you covered here at the liberty ballers podcast network don't forget give us a subscription whether that's on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your fix always appreciate a five-star review as well and don't forget we're gonna have you covered for all things philly and around the nba at libertyballers.com support for this show comes from fundrise Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.